signs somehow. The uh, New York Post reports that the gun used by the monster who opened fire on a crowded Brooklyn subway this morning, that gun jammed in the middle of the bloodshed, preventing him from causing far more carnage. That's what law enforcement sources told the New York Post. They uh, also recovered the jammed Glock and two extended magazines at the scene of the shooting, which happened aboard a Manhattan-bound N train just as it was pulling into the 36th Street station in Sunset Park. That was at 8.20 a.m. New York time. Uh, and uh, all of this is so remarkable and so horrible. The uh, uh, subway attack witnesses recall smoke and blood and people screaming. The uh, attacker is still at large. He is described as a black male. He's five foot five inches high, so a smaller guy than usual, and apparently a heavy set build. He was uh, apparently trying to masquerade or to cloak himself as if he were some kind of a, a transit worker. And uh, we're going to be speaking to a former high official and very much decorated official in the FBI who actually eventually succeeded in catching the Unabomber. And that took uh, years, literally years of investigation. Right now, there is this one individual who uh, uh, got away into a city of eight million. Uh, will he be caught? Is it important that he be caught? Of course it's important that he be caught. First of all, there's a question about whether or not this is, in fact, an issue of terrorism. They apparently have found a van that uh, they have associated with this individual. And if they have that, then they should be able to identify who he is at some point and maybe soon. Uh, we will be uh, talking about that with uh, James R. Fitzgerald uh, coming up this hour, an FBI manhunter. We're also going to be speaking a little bit later to um, Jonathan Haidt, who is a uh, remarkably prestigious and well-respected academic who has actually just written a, a huge piece under the headline, Why the Past Ten Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid. <laughs> uh, and why? He says it's the Tower of Babel Syndrome. Now, even for those who are not well-schooled in the Bible, this is a very, very interesting analogy. We will get to that. Speaking of Babel, uh, they've, they've just released some of the a sex ed curriculum that they're trying to spring on New Jersey school children. This is uh, coming up this year in September before the election. And it is unbelievable. And for people who are saying, well, basically conservatives are trying to cut off people's rights to discuss questions of sexual identity or questions of gay identity. You won't believe, honestly, and because I can't even read some of it on the radio. And this is aimed at first graders and second graders. 
it has to do with various openings in the body and the way that they are described by the uh, enlightened by the way just guessing here very strongly this will never be used in a classroom not in New Jersey not anywhere it's 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 sick and uh, we will we will get to that and again everybody thinks of your children your grandchildren maybe maybe the neighbor's kids really we want to subject our kids to this is it somehow judgmental or transphobic to uh, to to bring up uh, uh, that idea by the way I certainly I certainly hope that uh, the Disney company doesn't pick up uh, a desire to support this kind of uh, educational priority. It's it's just incredible. There's also a um, a judge who has indicated at least the possibility that they uh, her opponents may be able to knock Marjorie. Taylor Green off the ballot. Now, this is not a question of beating her in a primary, which I certainly hope some Republican does. I certainly hope some Republican does. She's from a very Republican district. This this literally means to use legal means to prevent her from appearing on a uh, an election ballot. Is that valid, or is that just taking politics a little bit too far and to a problematic um, manner? We will get to that uh, conversation also on the Michael Medved Show. And um, there is so much more about Ukraine and about uh, President Putin now saying that it is a noble cause and he will see it through. Headline in uh, the New York Times, a talk with Putin deepens the fear of worse attacks. Leader dismisses brutality as he targets Donbass, the Austrian chancellor says. What does the Austrian chancellor have to do with any of this? The Austrian chancellor, in case you're not on top of Austrian politics, is a guy named Karl Nehammer. and uh, he met with Mr. Putin. Austria is not a member of NATO. Uh, it is participating in some of these uh, sanctions against Russia. But uh, he is the first Western leader to see Putin in person since the Ukraine invasion. He met with him yesterday. He said he came away feeling not only pessimistic about peace prospects, but fearing that Mr. Putin intended to dramatically intensify the brutality of the war. We will get to that story as well. Uh, In terms of the brutality of the war, what is going on with our country regarding this this sudden rash of of horrible crimes? And, And again, is it if you're dealing with someone who is clearly a maniac and begins shooting at people at random uh, obviously what you need to do is work out a situation so that people who are so bitterly disturbed people who are potential terrorists by the way and nobody's ruling out the possibility of terrorism yet I mean after all there is terrorism around the world and unfortunately we have had a a very blessed period of time with an 
uh, relative absence of terrorist attacks, but uh, which, by the way, goes to some of the effectiveness of the FBI, which is one of the reasons that I and and the CIA and all of our counterterror on ongoing efforts, which is one of the reasons I think it's so incredibly misguided for. Uh, especially conservatives to turn against the FBI as an institution but this is a little bit of what the uh, subway sounded like uh, and eyewitnesses we will get to that and and get to more and keep you up to date of any updates uh, as they come apparently President Biden is going to speak about this at some point the governor of New York already has the mayor of New York who is right now quarantined with COVID at Gracie Mansion has uh, had something to say. We will get to that and much more coming up on the Medved Show. about the crime wave in uh, New York City and actually in New York State. Uh, the, <laughs> in addition to everything else terrible that has been happening, like the shooting today in the New York subway in Brooklyn, thank God, so far at least, no one uh, has been reported with life-threatening injuries, though some of the injuries have led to hospitalization in hospitals nearby. You don't get shot in the leg, for instance. It may not be life-threatening, but it can certainly change your life and be one of those nightmarish experiences that would lead people not to take the subway anymore. Okay, at the same time, there's another nightmarish experience with the second highest-ranking elective official in the state of New York, the lieutenant governor, was arrested this morning. And he is uh, looking at a world of hurt. Now, whether this has any impact on the conversation about Andrew Cuomo coming back and trying to run for governor again against Kathy Hochul, who was the lieutenant governor before, who took over after after uh, Governor Cuomo resigned. I mean, this is this is a bad stretch. The <laughs> Can can we agree on that? I mean, those of us who are not New Yorkers, New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin arrested in campaign finance fraud case. The report from NBC News, New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin has surrendered to authorities to face finance fraud related charges in connection with a past campaign. Benjamin was charged with bribery, fraud, conspiracy and falsification of records in an alleged scheme to obtain campaign contributions from a real estate developer in exchange for Benjamin's agreement to use his influence as a state senator to get a $50,000 grant of state funds for a nonprofit organization the developer controlled. Now, that is confusing to me. It's probably even more confusing to you. And uh, I think that uh, the one hope of him defending himself from these charges, well, I, I didn't understand. It's too complicated. It's confused me. Uh, 
facing charges including bribery, fraud, conspiracy, and falsification of records. Sounds pretty bad. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Benjamin pleaded not guilty at an initial appearance in Manhattan Federal Court. He was released and bail was set at $250,000. Um, he left without talking to reporters. Lawyers representing the lieutenant governor did not immediately respond to messages seeking comment. Uh, governor Hochul, who appeared at a New York City news conference regarding the shooting on the subway, said uh, she would speak about Lieutenant Governor Benjamin later in the day. We'll have a statement out there. I've not had a chance to speak to him. I was doing media interviews this morning, but this is not the place, but I will be addressing it very shortly, she said. Uh, yeah, it, his arrest comes after reports that Manhattan federal prosecutors and the FBI were investigating whether Benjamin knowingly engaged in a campaign finance and fraud scheme. Subpoenas were issued in connection with the investigation to sources familiar with the subpoenas said at the time. Uh, the indictment said that Benjamin, who was formerly a state senator from Harlem, and others acting at his direction or on his behalf also engaged in a series of lies and deceptions to cover up the scheme that stretched between 2019 to 2021. So... It was during a period when uh, Andrew Cuomo was leading the state's Democratic Party. Uh, is um, this a uh, terrible season for Democrats and for uh, parts of the country that once upon a time, and, and honestly, it's not that long ago, New York was viewed as a a model city, one of the safest cities in the world. And it had been cleaned up. They they certainly deal with the homeless situation better in New York City, still do, than uh, San Francisco or L.A. or Seattle, for that matter. Uh, we There is a new uh, attempt to try to get uh, legislation passed around the country to try to deal more effectively with the homeless situation, and that's maybe working in some states, but New York was doing better with that. Uh, New York had a crime rate that was way down, historically down, by at some point, and it, it was within the last 10 years, New York had reached the lowest murder rate ever since they had reliable crime rates that they used to measure. I mean, going back to the 1870s. Yes, that's right, 1870s. And now, well, now it's not so good. Now you have things that uh, sound like this, a sound of the subway horror along with an eyewitness. Listen. seeing smoke come up out of the station and that's when I decided it was a good time to start moving. I got out of the area and then I found out that there was undetonated explosives. Bear with and understand a little bit if people get crazy or whatever but something that seems premeditated and organized and they hadn't caught the guy and then there's a manhunt. It seems a little bit more professional, a little bit more thought out and, and cleanly done. And that's the disturbing part to me. Uh... 
It's, uh, look, there's lots that's disturbing here. One of the things that happened is apparently none of the video cameras that they have that are supposed to mark anything that goes on at the subway, uh, it may have been one of them worked, but most of them didn't, which is exactly the kind of breakdown that you worry about in a, a situation like this or in a, America's most populous city. Uh, the, the chief of police had this to say about the crime. Listen. Just before 8.24 this morning, as a Manhattan-bound N-train waited to enter the 36th Street station, an individual on that train donned what appeared to be a gas mask. He then took a canister out of his bag and opened it. The train at that time began to fill with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people on the subway and in the platform. Again, we will describe him as an individual. He is being reported as a male black, approximately five feet, five inches tall with a heavy build. He was wearing a green construction type vest and a hooded sweatshirt. The color is gray. Uh, and uh, again, uh, let us hope that, God willing, by the end of this show, they find him or identify him or know who they're looking for. Uh, we will we will get to how that works with somebody with a great deal of FBI experience. In fact, he was the FBI uh, manhunter who succeeded in apprehending the Unabomber. James R. Fitzgerald uh, joins us and uh, talks generally about the importance of the FBI and how you operate in a situation like this. We'll be right back on the Medved Show. James R. Fitzgerald has given his life to law enforcement. And uh, with remarkable success and remarkable acclaim, he uh, served for 20 years in the FBI as a supervisory special agent, and 10, 11 years before that as a police officer and detective sergeant on the Ben Salem Township, Pennsylvania Police Department. He uh, has successfully investigated numerous homicides, sexual assaults, kidnappings, bank robberies, and other violent crimes. Um, most famously, the, the Unabomber crime. And when you hear about a crime like what occurred this morning, do you have a problem with uh, classifying this as a, an act of terror because of its very nature, even though we don't know the motive or anything like that, but as an act of terror the way that uh, the mayor uh, Adams of New York just did? Hi, Michael. First of all, it's great to be back with you, unfortunately, under these type of circumstances. Um, yeah, there seems to be a little bit of a contention between the mayor and the uh, and the police commissioner in terms of whether it's an act of terrorism or not. I can tell you this, as, as having been a responder in New York City, an FBI agent, and having gone to the, the scene of the first World Trade Center bombing in 93, the last thing the agents on the ground are thinking about is, is, a, is a categorization of the crime itself. It's a crime. People are hurt. People are dead. Let's try to find uh, evidence. Let's try to find witnesses. Let's try to, of course, take care of the injured first. 
for the real first responders. But then after that, let's try to put this case together. The, it's higher up in management of these uh, of the law enforcement and, and intel agencies who ultimately decide whether it's an act of terrorism or not. So it may be by definition, Michael. It may not be. It's really too early to tell. It's a mass shooting for now, as far as I see it. And on the and a little bit of a sophisticated level to it also, not just a gun, but obviously with some explosive or at least uh, smoke-producing devices. Uh, yeah, and with the gas mask that he uh, carried with him in in advance, uh, do you? I mean, you've been been there. Is it when you think about the fact that the guy has obviously gotten away? Uh, I'm not sure they have any images of him because apparently the video cameras weren't working. Uh, how do you even begin to try to find an individual like this? Well, you're the first one to tell me the video cameras weren't working. That's how they used to be years ago. But the system, I thought uh, the multiple systems in multiple cities were so sophisticated now. I'm sure there will be some cameras on the street level, uh, if not in the subway itself. Uh, just like with the Boston Marathon, it took you know days of, of going through thousands of, uh, of separate, uh, hundreds of separate hours of different cameras when they finally found the two brothers responsible. So that's part of what they're going to be doing today. Um, they're going to be looking for the ingress and the egress to these uh, to this individual. When did he get on the uh, uh, the the N train? Uh, we know when he got off, but you know, was he cruising all night on the train, setting himself up? Does he live right in that particular area? Uh, my my early estimation would be he had an easy way to egress, in other words, exit that scene and get somewhere right away where he wouldn't be noticed. I'm not sure if he ditched the gas mask. Apparently, he's rolling around some kind of a milk crate to carry his implementations. He had at least several magazines on him with the, what's reported as a clock. So he obviously had enough technical experience to know how to change out a magazine when the, when the rounds uh, ended in each one. So. Um, they're going to be looking at all kinds of things here. And, and Michael, what I want to say, too, is very important, is what we profilers call victimology. Let's look at the people who were shot. And I'm not subscribing to this theory at all yet, but I've been familiar with really, the, the D.C. sniper case, and a lot of people after all these years don't remember this, but his whole purpose in killing all those people was to take out his ex-wife. That was in 2002, John Muhammad. Now, I'm not saying that applies here, but maybe one of the people that was injured and so far, hopefully, they just there's nothing worse than a injury and no death result. But perhaps that was one of the people that was the actual target, and the rest are quote unquote collateral damage. I don't like using that term in this context, but that's what it is. So again, I'm not locking into that theory at all. I want to make that clear. But that's something the investigators are going to want to talk to each and every individual who was shot or injured, and maybe even some of those who weren't hit but were there, and say, is there anyone you can think of in your life? that would do something like this. And it's certainly a possibility. Someone may give a name, and it could be this offender. Uh, so apparently, so far, the numbers are we've had 119 mass shootings so far this year, which uh, I believe officially constitute shootings of four or more people. And uh, are, are most of the mass shooters, including in apparently senseless crimes like this, uh, and maybe, I mean, it could be uh, your perspective that you were just talking about, about the victimology, figuring out who he may have been going for is fascinating. But do most most mass shooters uh, come to justice? Are they found? 
Yes, they are. Uh, if they're not, if they don't commit suicide themselves at the scene, the police take them out at the scene or shortly thereafter, or of course uh, they eventually get arrested. I can't think of too many mass shootings, if any, in recent times in which the individual hasn't been identified. As early as a week and a half ago in Sacramento, uh, I think it was a Sunday morning or so, like 2 a.m., there was a mass shooting, and they weren't sure what that was. And, and all my thought processes I just laid out to you, of course, crossed my mind uh, just thinking about that case. That turned out to be a, like a gang-related thing of a guy who basically shouldn't been out of prison, uh, but he was. We may see that in this case. Again, I, I don't know that fact, but this may have been someone with a history of violent behavior, went through the system, and was out on, on bail or early release or whatever, and now something like this is carried out. No matter whether that's the case or not, uh, we all have to uh, you know pray and be concerned about the victims here. This is senseless to every one of us with, with brain synapses that connect and, and function the way they should, but to this person, the shooter himself, it, it made perfect sense. And, uh, and that's the sad part that uh, our society has to figure out a way that these people uh, are not led to believe something like this is, uh, is logical or sensical to carry out. You worked 20 years with the FBI. Uh, the FBI is under a lot of attack and indictment, particularly from elements in the conservative movement right now, and I would have think, thought that most conservatives would be big supporters of law and order in the FBI. Uh, do you believe that the FBI has uh, hit a problematic spot in its history? Well, let me, let me, I will answer that, but I, I can tell you my, some of my former squad mates, I'm, I'm, I'm long retired, but from my former squad in the New York office, they're going to be there and they're going to be working this case too. So um, they're going to be definitely involved in this and doing the best they can with no political uh, agenda at all in their part. Of course. Part. Has, up, has upper management been um, um, <laughs> compromised in some way on a political, uh, in, in a political way? Um, I, I think it's. I, I think it's obvious that there has been some of that. It may have filtered down into some other supervisory levels. Um, I, I was disappointed in the outcome of the Michigan, the, the the governor kidnapping case. But then looking at how that all played out, the various agents involved, the timing of the arrest themselves, a month before the last, uh, you know, the 2020 election. I said, all right, what's what's up with that? Is the timing, couldn't they have waited one extra month for that? Um, uh, and, of course, it resulted in two acquittals and two uh, uh, mistrials in terms of uh, what happened last week in Michigan. So uh, there are some political machinations taking place, certainly at the upper levels and at some other levels. And let's, speaking of shootings in Texas um, earlier this year, uh, I couldn't believe a, a synagogue was sh shot up by a guy who clearly had affiliation with uh, anti-Semite groups, and the FBI special agent in charge of the division came out and said, oh, no, no, not terrorism at all, not terrorism. It's a lone act of a lone individual with no connection to any ideology in that regard. But within like, you know, six to 12 hours, FBI headquarters had to come back and sort of correct him. So it's at least some of these political aspirations and, um, and uh, opinions have uh, have uh, gone down into the individual divisional level. Mr. Fitzgerald, can you uh, hang on for a few more minutes? Uh, James R. Fitzgerald, uh, author of the book uh, Manhunt uh, on Unabomber and more. 
We'll be right back with James Harvest. They have just released uh, photographs of the um, suspect's bag that he left behind as he fleed, and uh, there's now speculation in terms of the timing of of this that um, these plan, if he had a plan, may not have been to hit the subway. He very possibly was taking the subway somewhere else with this bag full of fireworks and various kinds of explosives, probably enough to uh, make a substantial explosion uh, left behind. I'm speaking to uh, James R. Fitzgerald, 20 years of FBI experience, uh, figuring out uh, tracking down people who are m criminals, very dangerous. He remains an active criminal profiler and forensic linguistic, uh, linguist with his company, James R. Fitzgerald Associates, even after his retirement in uh, 2007. Uh, it, in terms of uh, trying to figure out some of this. I mean, I I can imagine that they probably do have. Would this be handled in the, in the nature of these things by the FBI's New York office, or would they bring additional personnel on something like this? No, this would definitely be handled in the New York office. Uh, there are about 1,200 agents assigned in New York. It's the biggest uh, FBI division in the country, and there's another you know thousand analytical people there spread all over the five boroughs and even to the suburbs. So this will be working. Now, there could be headquarters uh, folks coming up or laboratory folks coming up from Quantico, but uh, the main thrust of this will be worked probably as a joint task force with the NYPD and, uh, and the FBI and, of course, state police, ATF. Other agencies could be in there, too. But they're, uh, they're all working this together. A command post is set up in some building somewhere in that in that particular area, and they are got computer programs designed to just start from scratch, and they start plugging in videos, they start plugging in addresses, and you know maybe any phones that have been pinged in that particular area where they've gone, where they started from that morning, and uh, and and all this information is going to start coming together before long. Do you think? I mean, and, and again, you've worked in law enforcement in a local police department before uh, your 20 years at the FBI. Do you, do you believe that we can do better in making sure that uh, a disturbed individual, as this individual obviously was, I mean, and have also someone very possibly with a criminal record, uh, can be kept away more effectively? Whoop. We uh, we just got disconnected. Uh, the question that that I was putting to him: um, Are we uh, reconnected here, Jeremy? Okay. Uh, in any event, he uh, he has a four-part memoir series. It's called uh, a, a Journey to the Center of uh, the Mind, uh, and I think of. Uh, uh, someone like the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, who he helped to find. Uh, the uh, gunman behind today's Brooklyn subway rampage has been on the run for more than seven hours, they say, and now cops across the city 
have been ordered to be on the lookout for a U-Haul without a state plates, police sources have said. The uh, news of the potential involvement of a rental van with Arizona plates comes amid a massive manhunt for the shooter by police who have released a few details on the suspect with sources revealing that the surveillance cameras at the station were out of commission. Um, uh, Mr. Fitzgerald, are you back with us? I am. Sorry about whatever happened. Sorry about that, but I'm here. <laughs> that, so, right, it's like the, we have just was announcing again, there uh, report that the surveillance cameras were out of, out of commission. Uh, things just seeming to, to go wrong with this so far. Um, we uh, What we were just uh, talking about here is that generally is a question of national policy. Is it uh, possible, should it be possible, while protecting people's very important Second Amendment rights and their ability to protect their families and to have access for law-abiding citizens to firearms, to uh, find, seek out uh, people who are mentally disturbed and who almost certainly have some kind of criminal and or mental health uh, history to make it more difficult for them to get hold of firearms like this uh, this offender had. I'll answer that, Michael, but real quick, maybe it's not a coincidence that where this offense took place today, the cameras were out. Perhaps the offender knew that in advance. Perhaps he played some sort of role in knocking them out. I don't know that yet. We may be giving him way too uh, you know, level of credibility here and sophistication, but let's not rule that out. Um, uh, because I know the the subway system is very well uh, protected with cameras and, and surveillance as well as most intersections in the in the city. So that's that's kind of odd that they're out for this type of offense. However, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I I've heard this debate for years back and forth. Um, uh, you know, uh, our Second Amendment rights, our, our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights. And, you know, where do they intersect? What's the nexus of them? And, of course, someone with mental health uh, issues, um, uh, di you know, diagnosable mental health condition, you know, should not have access to weapons. Uh, no ends if or buts. However, this guy today, even if he was so diagnosed, he could have very possibly still had the smoke, the smoke bomb. He could have had um, uh, any other, supposedly someone said he had a hammer with him or a hatchet in, in the bag. He could have had a machete some sharp knives, and I mean, he could have done, especially in smoke, he could have done as, almost as much damage as he may have done with shooting 10 people. That's, that's the number I'm hearing now. But uh, no, I, I'm, all, you know, I'm a Second Amendment guy. I believe that. I'm also a small government guy, and, and, and sometimes, um, and those two align there. But I also believe that not everyone should be able to carry a weapon or have access to, uh, to a, uh, a pistol or a firearm a rifle of that sort. So, um, uh, but it has to be carefully regulated through the courts, not just a random, uh, you know, investigator or politician saying someone should have a weapon, someone not. I think there has to be a, you know, a red flag law. Some of them have, and that are that are, that are apparent in some states and exist in some states, and something like that, well, well uh, thought out, and, and with with the protective uh, elements in there, rights of appeal, you know, even legal counsel, perhaps. 
But uh, but if someone clearly demonstrates they cannot handle reality very well, uh, they should not have access to deadly weapons. Okay, that's a, a, exactly the kind of sensible and balanced approach I would have expected here. By the way, the New York Post is just reporting police are still trying to determine why the cameras at the Sunset Park subway station were not working at the time of the 8.30 a.m. attack that injured 29, now they're saying, including 10 who were shot, other people just injured in the stampede. Law enforcement sources told the Post the cameras tend to go out from time to time. Uh, Mayor Adams acknowledged the malfunction during remote media appearances uh, uh, this afternoon. We do know there was a problem with the camera at that particular station, probably had more than one. We're investigating if there were any video footage there, but at this time we're tracking down a number of leads. If It is likely, is it not, that if there were some other involvement, if this were some kind of group effort, uh, we would get wind of that fairly quickly? Um, these are rarely group efforts. I mean, Columbine had two kids involved in it. Um, so far, there's no, uh, of which I am aware, any terrorist demands or responsibility. The Irish Republican Army, you know, after every bombing they did or shooting, they would, you know, announce why they did it and what have you. Nothing like that here, uh, whether al-Qaeda or ISIS, someone like that would have uh, claimed some sort of responsibility. Nothing like that so far. It's way too early for me to project, you know, one person, two persons, one person on the scene. We'll, we'll, we'll assume that's what it is for now, but, but surveillance cameras and other evidence and other witness identification may point to him jumping in a car with someone and taking off. But he got away pretty quickly at this, uh, at this, uh, at this station uh, from the uh, 36th and 4th Ave. And uh, he must have had some way to go and people not see him after that fact where he quickly just took off his gas mask and any kind of a vest he was wearing and blended in with the crowd. James R. Fitzgerald, we've posted information about him. Uh, there's also a Discovery Channel miniseries scripted called Manhunt Unabomber, uh, which is still available and fascinating viewing. Uh, check it out at michaelmedved.com in what remains this greatest nation on God's green earth.